how many of you read Nehemiah? How many of you have been reading Nehemiah some to get ready for our time in Nehemiah? That's awesome. If you have not started reading Nehemiah, this consider this Grace Week. Um, we are going to be spending some time in Nehemiah together. Um, and as I was spending time in Nehemiah preparing to start sharing on that this week, I got smacked by the Lord with uh, a need to uh, repent for an area. Um, and so we want to talk about that this morning. And um, does anybody who had, there's several hands that went up. What's the first chapter of Nehemiah all about? How would you, do you remember Ben? He's accessing the files right now as we speak. Um, somebody, Nehemiah, meets somebody, and he's talking about how the, Nehemiah asks him, what's the, how's Jerusalem doing? Good, he takes a bird with fire, the walls turn down, and then uh, Nehemiah, he bums, fasting, and then uh, he talks to the king of that chapter or not. Yeah, so Nehemiah finds out about the condition of the, of the city of Jerusalem. Nehemiah is captive. He's part of the captivity. Um, he's actually got an important job. He's a cupbearer, a servant to the king. Um, and so I encourage you to go read that. But the reason why I wanted to go ahead and just talk about that is there's a lot of things in chapter 1 that I feel like, depending on your makeup spiritually when you read it, it could either really resonate with you or you kind of feel like no connection to it at all. Does that... Make sense? How many of you would identify as intercessors, like you're an intercessor? Raise your hand. Intercessors, stand up. Wow, wow. Okay, now, somebody who's not standing up, tell me what an intercessor is. Someone who prays on behalf of somebody else. Somebody who prays on behalf of someone else. Come on, come on, Bush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd ask for one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. All right. So intercessors oftentimes carry things in prayer that the people around them may know is important, but don't necessarily have the same response to. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, no? Yes. How many of you are aware that there's important things that you basically don't have much response to? Yeah. Right? So in that, it's very possible for intercessors to read Nehemiah 1 and be like, whoa, this is like a call to prayer. And we need to really go after like praying for our nation or praying for our church or praying for the body of Christ. Everybody else be like, dude has a job as a cupbearer for a king. What's he worried about in the whole city for? You know, it's like you can, depending on your spiritual makeup, you can read the same thing very differently. Does that? No. Okay. So we need to have a conversation about spiritual gifts today. Because I want to talk about repentance a little bit in terms of some cultural strengths in our community that have led to some cultural weaknesses. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. So God bless all the intercessors. I pray that all the intercessors would encourage the rest of us into a lifestyle of prayer. If you're not standing up but you agree with that prayer, say amen. Amen. Intercessors, we're inviting you to teach us how to pray. Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated, intercessors. All right, so turn to Romans chapter 1. Actually, turn first to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to read just a, a verse here, verse or two here, that um, I hope will just set a framework for our time. And really, uh, my, my heart for this morning is we can just kind of study a couple things out in scriptures 
Um, Gabe's going to read some scripture. Uh, I've got one other passage we want to read this morning. And uh, I just pray that God would speak to us. Guys, repentance is really important. But even though we probably talk about it, um, I think a decent amount, I, I still think repentance can be a scary word or a word that we have a lot of associations with. Um, and so how many of you under, would understand that sometimes it can be easy to try to avoid repentance? Like, I don't want to have to need to repent, right? And so I still feel that way sometimes. But that just shows me that I don't understand the true heart behind repentance, okay? So there are times when I, re I repent because of sin in my life. Everybody say, sin in my life. Sin in my life. If you become aware of a sin that God reveals to you, when should you repent? Immediately. There are times when repentance is connected with correction. Does that make sense? Yeah? And that is more than saying, God, I'm sorry. You can, how many of you have ever had a season of your life where you feel like you're saying you're sorry every day? Anyone ever prayed this prayer? God, please don't let me do that again. Yeah? And it's just like a misery. You can, can feel like you're on like this... Uh, Treadmill, you know, I just continuing to pray the same things. Um, and, and that is a part of repentance where we are trying to walk towards truth. We recognize something is off. We recognize something is not as it should be. Um, and so we are repenting because we don't want to walk in the flesh. Is that? I don't know. I want to keep saying it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is that a clear sound you can respond to? Yeah. <laughs> right? But that's only one aspect of repentance. In 1 Corinthians 13, which, by the way, is positioned really interestingly, um, what is 1 chapter, or chapter 13 called? The love chapter, right? It's the love chapter, but chapter 12 and 14 are really about spiritual gifts and the body of Christ. So if you were to understand chapter 13 in its context, it really, uh, if you were to look at the very end of chapter 12 at verse 31, it says, you know, eagerly desire the best spiritual gifts, but let me show you a more excellent way. And the more excellent way is this pursuit of love. We live in a pursuit of love. And then down in verse number um, 11, it says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And there are some times that repentance is not a repentance from a sin, it's a repentance from a childish thought. Does that make sense? We're growing up. How many of you used to have crazy imaginations about what life would be whenever you grew up, right? How many of you know that sometimes it doesn't work out exactly that way? <laughs> How many of you had a crazy idea of what marriage would look like whenever you were single? And then you grew up. Or having kids. Or having your own business. Or... I remember I'm talking to Jerry whenever he was getting ready to quit his job, and you would have thought that having his own business was going to be like going on a, a long cruise every day, every week. It was just going to be this awesome thing. And then he realizes, wow, this is not as easy as I thought it was going to be. Or not that he was looking for ease. It's just that it has a, it's a, a different set of challenges. So part of repentance is whenever we, as we grow up, we recognize, oh, there's something different than what I thought going on. Does that resonate with you? Yeah. Okay. And so I feel like um, in the formations and in my heart, I'm going to speak for myself in terms of like taking some responsibility. Um, it's never good to live in reaction. 
If you live in reaction to error, you will most likely walk in a different error. If you live in reaction to error, you're most likely going to find yourself just walking in a different error. What we want to do is, as we mature, respond to truth. Does that make sense? So I saw how in, in church and in ministry, there's a, there's a system that's kind of involved where you recruit people that have gifts to help you build ministry. And that makes me feel sick to my stomach. That feels growth. And so in like wanting to make sure we weren't doing that and in seeing the importance biblically of really like your spiritual gift is not who you are. Do you, you understand that? Yeah. You, you are more than just a gift. I remember in the season that we were getting ready to plant AOX, there was just like this whole group of like young adults that Adrian and I are walking with. And one of the things we often talked about is your character has to be greater than your gifting. It's like a pyramid. If your gifting and your calling is, is this wide and your character is this wide, it's not going to work. <laughs> but it can be very easy to recruit people into your, your thing and build your thing feeling like you're just, I'm just giving space for other people to use their gifts. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? I can recognize there's a lot of truth in that, and I, and I don't feel I don't feel sorry that we made a commitment to like love people more than just use their gifts. I want to be very I'm gonna to try to be clear. And so, Dave, can you make sure I'm, I'm clear? Okay. Are we all together so far? At the same time, I think one of the weaknesses in our church is there's not many people who know what their gift is. Because in a, in a real desire to want to make sure that we're, we're um, so if we talk about it in terms of like discipleship, like we're discipling the whole person and we want to see people have a holistic view of like what it means to follow Jesus, even in areas where they're not gifted, it can be easy then to almost like despise the gift. Or to like, if I say, how many of you know God gives good gifts to all of us? Raise your hand if you know that's true, right? But if I say, how many of you are not real sure about what gift you have? Raise your hand. And there's a lot of us, like even if I've had conversations this week, even people who might think, well, I think I know gifts, my gifts, like, we start listening skills. Or, I mean, I ask Abby, Abby, what do you think my spiritual gift is? What do you think she said? Hugs. <laughs> Cannot find that one in scripture. So let's talk about hugs for just a second, because I think this is, this is important, and we're going to look at some things in the Word. Can anybody else think of the spiritual gift of hugs? Okay, shepherding. Well, that could be that could be an expression of that. I can't think of a place that talks about the spiritual gift of hugs. I can't think of a scripture that says greet one another with a holy kiss. So there's a there's a there's a place where it is it is right for me to express in some pure way affection, right? That is an expression of love. Is love a gift? Love is a fruit. So an expression of a fruit is not the same as a gift in terms of what we're going to look at in Scripture today, okay? Now, I'm not trying to get hung up on wording, but I, what, I, what my heart is is that we don't, don't leave the idea of being committed to the person more the gift, but we also say, God, because you are giving gifts, we're going to take those gifts very seriously. 
and we want to each person. I want each person to be able to know what their gift is and be able to exercise that gift. Does that make sense? Okay, so you've heard me talk about this before, most of you. I'm someplace around 60 pounds down from six months ago. Still not in shape to go run a marathon, right? Right? Still not in shape. Thank you for the applause. But still not in shape. Like, I can't be content with where I am, right? I, I posted a picture last night of something from something 10 years ago. When I saw that picture, I was probably 70 or 80 pounds heavier than I was six months ago. So I can look and say, wow, I've lost lots of weight. And if I got content with like the fact that I'm in better shape, but I'm still not able to, to, I'm still not in shape, right? So there's still things I'm not able to do. Like it would not be good if I were one of those people that Ben invited to go on one of his man ventures. If, if I were to try to go do some of the things that the guys who are in shape can do. Does that make sense? It would not be safe. And so I was had lunch with Gabe this weekend, and we were talking about the church. And, I, and I, I want to talk about the body of Christ, but I also want us to be able to take responsibility for the community that we're in. Like, how out of shape are we? I mean, can you read scriptures and recognize places where the church in the Bible doesn't look like the church around us today? What's easy to do is we, can, we, we create constructs they kind of explain why things are the way they are instead of like, wow, we're supposed to be able to be in shape and we're not. So, are we like, do we need to lose five pounds so we look good in the dress? Or do we like need to like get in shape so we can function the way that God calls us to function? Does that make sense? I know I keep talking about this. I'm not trying to be uncomfortable. I'm just, this is where my life is at right now. And like, uh, I want to like, I want to try to journey with this, right? Like I'm really passionate. Like what? would the world say if they saw the church as it's described in Scripture? I don't want to be, I don't want to be satisfied with something less than what he's promised. Do you, does that, are you with me in that? Because we can like look at the Scripture and we can like look at Things like spiritual gifts or leadership or different aspects. And we can like read it. And everybody's got a different theory. But I wonder how many of our theories would be uh, just washed away if we were just in shape. And if we could, if we could be free to function. And so part of this is there's a, there's a sense in, when, in which every time spiritual gifts are talked about in three scriptures. If you want to write these down, you can go back and study, study this because we don't have time for all of it this morning. But in Ephesians 4, when it talks about the, the fivefold gifts or the gifts of Christ, it's explicit. But then both in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, and in Romans 12, there is a sense in which these gifts are used to build up and edify the body. Now, we think of the, the phrase, the body of Christ, almost like a nickname. Like, oh, it's the body. But, like, do you understand that in describing the body, he is saying that each of you belong to one body and there's one head? You are not connected to the body which Brad is the head of if we are connected to the right body. There is one body and there is one head, and that head, his name is Jesus. Right? I'm not saying that to shirk any leadership responsibility. I'm saying because if we don't understand that, we will really easy be in a place where we look to somebody else to set a culture instead of looking to Jesus to define what we should look like. Like, if I'm going to be connected to him, I know, like, he's perfect. And the things I read about the body that belongs to him gives hope. 
like I don't read I don't read things about the body of Christ and walk away depressed. Like the body of Christ, it says about the body of Christ that we are to put on display for all the spiritual powers in the heavenly realms the multifaceted wisdom of God. When Gabe was up here and instructing us to go pray, I, I, I walked over, I was going to pray with Bryce, and he just had a moment over there, you know, praying for Bryce, and we're going to pray for Olivia, and just watching Eliza. Eliza's praying for her brother, praying for her sister. And then Elena walks up, and I look as they're praying for Olivia, like they're just surrounding her. Like, what would it be like if that was a picture of the church? We're just surrounding each other. And the thing that's in your heart, you just knew. You knew the thing in your heart was going to be able to be protected by people who were committed to walk with. That's what the scripture talks about. You guys there? So there's a place in which this scripture that I want to just ask God to help us with this morning, I want us to listen. And this is, this is not a place where, like, so the repentance is this. I think there's places that, you know, I can take personal responsibility with places I walked in reaction. But God in his kindness has, like, grown all of us up, not just me. Like, I don't want to be satisfied to not know the gift that's inside of the people that are committed to be here so that we can be fully encouraging each other to exercise those gifts. Right? Okay, so one more kind of personal health thing as an illustration, and then I, and I hope that will help us as we, as we get into a couple other scriptures. Last year, I walked 1.42 million steps. I walked 1.3 million steps after July 17th. Because there was something about being intentional that really helped me to take care of it. Now, maybe I was walking without my phone some before. But when you think about that, being aware of something can be an invitation to exercise it. Okay? So like, there was a place where on July 17th, there was a place where I had a moment of breakthrough. But the breakthrough really happened in all those days after where I exercised it. So there's zero value in you knowing what your spiritual gift is without the opportunity to figure out what it looks like to exercise it in relationships. Right? So this is not about... I got my spiritual gift badge today, and I'm an apostle. <laughs> what are you? <laughs> if you have a spiritual gift, what does it look like to exercise it? Okay? So let's look at a couple scriptures. We're going to look at a couple verses real quick to help hopefully frame our attitude towards spiritual gifts. I'm going to ask Gabe come and read a few verses in 1 Corinthians. We're going to read Romans 12. So most of what we're going to do today is just listen to scriptures. You guys good with that? Romans chapter 1. Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans, when you think about the book of Romans, I do not necessarily think of it as being a, a book that has a lot to do with gifts. But actually, um, the book of Romans and the book of 1 Corinthians are the place we find the most in Scripture about spiritual gifts. And so in chapter 1, uh, Paul... Let's look at verse 8. Look, listen to what Paul is saying to them. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for, for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit and the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request 
if by some means now at last I may come and find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. In this mention of spiritual gifts, at the beginning of this letter, we find a lot about the DNA of what the purpose of spiritual gifts are, right? So if we read this and we just would stop at the place where it says, so you can be established, we could think, wow, Paul is really kind of like the man. He's going to show up and just like somehow impart spiritual gifts to everybody, and we need to find who can come impart all the spiritual gifts to us. Do you know anybody we can call to come impart spiritual gifts to us? But he goes on and he says, hey, let me be very clear about this. There is something that God wants to establish in you through a place of impartation and by us being mutually encouraged by what's inside of each other. Is that what it says? So spiritual gifts are important because there is a place in which God uses them to establish things. I can look back at times that Jesse has shared and used what I believe is a God gift. Would you say you have a gift of teaching? Your husband did, so I, I felt like you're one flesh. So even if you don't agree, you know, work it out. So Jesse, when she uses her gift, there she doesn't speak every week, but when she uses her gift, God has used that to establish some things in our community. How many of you can remember some specific times Jesse's taught? What are some of the things that she's taught about? Um, she talked about the importance of the Bible. How many of you remember the, the, the message that she shared, the teaching she shared on the, the Word of God? Like that became a thing. I thought there was a lot of fruit that flowed out of that, that it wasn't just like somebody studying the Bible and then doing a book report and telling us some good information. Oh, that was helpful. That was good. No, it like, it called us. There was something in Jesse sharing what she did as she prepared and as she shared her gifting, there was strength that was given to the body. Does that make sense? Everybody doesn't have the same gift. But we have this place that it can be really easy for us to look and see who should we look like when we grow up. Right? So Gabe was up here talking and he was saying like, hey, we all got different things in front of us. We're all, we're all kind of doing different things. Listen, one of the reasons why the book of Nehemiah is going to be important for us when is when you begin to read about the rebuilding of the wall, there was a lot of different ways that that looked. There were priests who were in charge of certain projects. There were, there were people who were rebuilding sheep gates and someone rebuilding dung gates. How many of you know which one you would want to pick, right? How many of you know both of them are important? You want to let that stuff out, right? There's, a, there's an important function. You're like, I got the, I got the gift of well, like the dumb gate gift. How many of you understand that what Scripture teaches us is each part has value? And we live in a culture. So I think the thing that I was trying to avoid was this place where certain gifts that get put up on a pedestal and everybody tries to become those things. Right? So we've had some people that are in the room right now, and then we've had some people pass through here. We could have built a really nice church just using their gifts. Who are some really gifted people who are not in the room right now, who are not here a part of our, our local community anymore, who have been a part of our church at some point in time? David Wade. David Wade. How many of you can recognize some spiritual gifts in David Wade? 
He's gifted, right? Anybody else think of other people that have just some obvious spiritual gifts that people could see? Alex. Huh? Alex. Alex. Yep. Did your phones? Oh. Yep. The lists. The lists. Jasmine. Jasmine. Yeah. Sabria called me the day that I was like deciding, am I really going to not teach on Nehemiah after for two weeks I told everybody we're going to start Nehemiah? I was praying about this and I'm like, man, I just got to share about this thing about spiritual gifts. And I was walking home and she called and she said, hey, what's God speaking to you? And I started to tell her, she said, oh, I can't wait to talk with you. She said, I felt like this was like an important season because there's a place in which in AOX I learned the value of like love and being loved. But you also like didn't despise my gift. And it wasn't one or the other. So I just want to encourage you to that thing in your heart about making room for gifts. Like it's going to be really important in this next season. I could literally feel my heart getting courage. Like when she said this to me, like I could, I'm kind of like one like, man, I kind of feel insecure about telling people we're going to start Nehemiah and then still not starting Nehemiah. By the time she was done, I was like, dang straight, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. <laughs> that's encouraging. You know, guys, that's really what encouragement means. Yeah. It's like whenever something in your life actually gives me courage. It's the root word. It's not just saying something nice. Oh, Katie, nice thoughts. I want to be encouraging to you. No, that's not, that's nice words. Like we should live in a way that as we are exercising who we are, and, the, and our gifts, it's actually empowering courage in the other parts. Yeah? All right. So let's just look at a couple of things. Um, that hopefully will help God help us mature. We're going to put away any kind of childish thinking. That's, like, that's my thought. God, any thoughts I have that are not mature thoughts, God, I want to put away those things. And how many of you know that we're not at the ultimate place of maturity now? How many of you plan to grow beyond where you are today? So hopefully we'll have to repent later on because God teaches us something else. Yeah? Okay. So we are inviting God to help us grow up and we're inviting God to help establish things in our heart. You guys good with that? Okay, four quick things. Um, and I'm not even going to have you turn there, but I do want to give you these scriptures so you can go and study these later. Four things that should frame our attitudes about spiritual gifts. When the Pentecostal movement began to happen in America uh, a little over 100 years ago, <clears throat> there was a very respected man of God named A.B. Simpson who sincerely had a, had a heart, I want everything that God wants. He's the guy who founded what would become the Christian Missionary Alliance denomination. And his heart, he had a really awesome teaching about healing. And so when this kind of like Pentecostal outpouring of, of specific gifts, specifically the gift of tongues, starts happening, people look to him like today maybe they would look at someone like John Piper. Like this person who just like, oh, this is a respected Bible teacher. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and Simpson famously said, you know, about spiritual gifts, specifically the, the gift of tongues, seek not, forbid not. And I will say as someone who's growing up, that kind of rationale made sense to me. Like, okay, like I don't have to like, I'm not defined by that gift. I'm not going to go after it. But I'm not going to forbid it if it happens, right? I remember when I was in my early 20s and reading the scriptures, and one of the first places of repentance that I want to submit to you, if you're where I was at, 
and have that kind of thought. What Paul says as we end the love chapter in chapter 13 and flow into chapter 14 is he says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So while we should not desire, like if Jesse's got a strong teaching gift, it would be wrong for us to move in comparison or jealousy to try to be, oh, I want the gift that Jesse has. That's not what it's talking about. But it is saying, eager, have an eagerly eager desire for the gifts. So one thing that should frame the way we think about spiritual gifts is do I have a desire to see the gifts of God active in my life? Does that make sense? Okay, again, if you have questions about this, go back and read the kind of the council scriptures around this. That would be 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. The second thing is in a letter from Paul to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, he says, stir up the gifts. Another thing that I didn't understand, I didn't really grow up in a church that talked a lot about spiritual gifts. Another thing that I didn't understand is like, oh, if it's a gift, then it should just kind of happen whenever God wants it to happen. But there's actually a place where I have something to say about the way that I'm stewarding the development of that gift. I am not, like Adrian is a gift person, and sometimes I knock it out of the park, and sometimes I don't. There have been times I've given Adrian really nice gifts that have nice thought to them that are not very practical, like getting her plants at a time that she can't plant them. <laughs> so we've been cleaning out the basement, just making room in her life, and came across some plants. Plants weren't designed to be in the basement. That's not where they're going to grow. But listen, like the potential of the plant isn't defined by the outcome unless there's care in how that plant is planted. Remember the first time we did a garden? I couldn't believe how many instructions there were. Like, I just like, hey, we're gonna, I mean, I'm, I'm doing this garden to teach Abby. She was like four. Like, we're just gonna teach Abby like the value of gardening. It was like a whole day's worth of reading to find out how far apart the plants had to be, which ones needed lots of water, like which ones needed to be planted that would run down a slope. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Which ones need stakes and which, I mean, like some plants need to be really close together. You cannot plant one one stalk of corn, it won't develop right. It needs cross-pollination. You put pepper plants too close together, they just won't grow. So I learned so much that there's something about stewarding the way something is, is given. And so if you have a spiritual gift, there's something about like actively stirring it up and stewarding the development of that gift that is important. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the first thing is let's have an eager desire. Am I eagerly desiring being active in spiritual gifts. The second thing is, is am I stewarding the development of those gifts? Right? Okay. Number three. I'm moving through this list really quick. First Timothy 4. Yeah, so you should give me a hand for moving through this list quickly. Okay. First Timothy 4, verse 14. Write that down. Same thing. Paul's writing this uh, in this letter to his spiritual son. He said, don't neglect the gift that's inside of you. So you can say, that's kind of the same thought, yeah, but I thought it was worth mentioning two different ways. Take active stewardship for developing it, but hear the words of Paul to a spiritual son. Don't allow neglect to define your attitude towards spiritual gifts. What are some reasons why we might neglect spiritual gifts? Fear. Fear, okay. Tired. Tired. Disappointment. Disappointment. Don't know how. Don't know how. What's that? So wanting a different gift. Ooh. 
All of these are good. All of these are good. We want a different gift. We don't like the one we have. How many of you have a spiritual gift and you wish you had a different one? Anybody? Okay. Whenever they told me my spiritual gifts was hugs, I was offended by that. I'm still trying to process what my gift is. But by the way, I'm just going to say this. There may be some gift inventories out there that you can take that will help you. But don't allow a questionnaire to become like how you determine your spiritual gift. Scripturally, we're supposed to help each other discern the body help each other discern. And so one of the things that can happen where I've seen specifically people disappointed in their spiritual gifts is because they're kind of like, they're taking these gift inventories or gift tests in a way that like feels very isolated. Um, the gift of service may not be like exciting to you, but let me tell you, it's life giving to those around you. And if you can be honored by people that that gift of service is really serving, like you can, you can become excited because how many of you know that more than just the people who have the gift of serving are called to serve. And so just a general place that I hope that you hear as we're reading scriptures today is really the, the, the purpose of the gifts isn't that the person with the gift of giving is the only one who gives. It's that the, there are certain people who are graced in ways to make that part of kingdom lifestyle and culture normal for everyone else. Do you ever get, if you ever get around someone who has a gift of service, it'll cause you to change the way you think about serving. But it would be really unhealthy if only people who get some service were the ones who are serving. Because I can go to a lot of scriptures that says, hey, serve each other, right? So like the fact that Ben has a pickup truck does not mean he has a gift of service. He might. <laughs> but if you think who can move that and the only thing you think of is who has a pickup truck, then we're not understanding how we discern the body, right? Because there's actually places where we can grow up and mature. So we don't want to neglect for any of those reasons or any other reason the gift that's inside of us. We don't Just because we don't understand it, we don't want to neglect it because we want to be good stewards. Right? Okay, and the last scripture I want you to write down basically is just kind of like the conclusion of these. And it's 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. And this tells us that as we've received gifts, to use them, to exercise them. Again, it doesn't do me a whole lot of good to know what my gift is unless there's some way that I'm exercising it. I did not know that Mitch had the gift. I think maybe it's a gift of prophecy that's revealed in dream interpretation. But we were sitting on our front porch this summer, and I forget who it was that shared the dream, and Mitch was like, well, I used to really function in that gift. I wonder if, you know, that was back when the move of God that happened. When was the move of God? Yeah, 2005, 2006, he said, he used to really function in that. I wonder if, like, it would happen again. So we started testing it. It was like, whoa. Like, this was not, this was, like, not just like, oh, that's really cool. You're very poetic, and you can listen to people's dreams. Like, man, people were sharing dreams, and all of a sudden, it's like, I have no idea what that means. Like, well, after Mitch talks to us, we do know have an idea what it means. We were meditating on some scripture this week as a family. We're meditating on the story, Genesis 41, on the story of the dreams of Pharaoh. And the Lord reminded me of a vision that I had during worship uh, at the bridge a year and a half ago. It was right before Jim Erb passed away. And so I remember really feeling like it was significant, and then Jim passed away, and it's just like, it didn't come up again. I've maybe thought about it two times since then, but that night, sitting there, Watching a video of, of Genesis 41, it came back just like I had it yesterday. I had, I had taken time to journal it 
a year and a half ago. And so I just sent it to a handful of people. And one of them, I felt like, Lord, should I send this to anybody else? And the Lord reminded me of Mitch. So I sent it to Mitch. Let me tell you, like, it was not just like, um, like somebody says, hey, let me tell you a dream. I mean, I feel like God's given me a couple of interpretations for dreams, but I know that's different than just my thought. Well, what does this mean to you? Like, I, I know how to ask people questions to see if they can discern what it means. Like, Mitch sent back like six paragraphs, and I was like, oh. <laughs> Whenever I read it, I was like, it, it was in line with everything else God had been speaking to me. Whereas before, I was like, man, this still kind of feels really random and feels kind of out of the blue. Like, I think there's a gift. Guys, if you have dreams, you know what I mean? I would encourage you, hey, Mitch, would you mind if I send you this dream? Is that okay? Yeah, totally. Mitch would like to exercise his gift. Guys, Mitch is a rock star. Like, like he is a man of God. There's substance in him, and he is not just a pretty face with a nice beard. I'm serious. Like, but if we don't understand the deposit that each of us carry... How many of you knew that Mitch had a, a gift of dream interpretation? How many of you, let's ask it different, how many of you did not know? So if you are connected in a community with him and you don't know that he has that gift, then you're not going to be able to receive from, who we receive from whenever we're, we're seeing the gifts of the Spirit put in operation? We're receiving from God through each other. Each joint supplies the need. Who designed us to have need of each other? Your need for the, those in the body is not something wrong with you. It's the way he designs you. How many of you ever feel the pressure to be self-sustaining and self-sufficient and like you become this one shop package that you have all the gifts of God and you're like, you know, this is what mature believer is. I'm just like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. But if I ever think that me becoming like Jesus means I don't need other godly relationships that I miss the point of Scripture. So exercising gets important. Gabe, can you bring your Bible and come up here? Gabe is not like me. Except for hairstyle. For hairstyle. <laughs> I don't love Gabe because he's not like me. But there's actually a value in my life. Like, I'm not talking about AOX right now. I'm talking about my, my friendship with Gabe. We're coming up just in like two weeks of the 10-year anniversary of our friendship. That was a big deal for me. Because I, I mean, Jerry, thanks for the time. <laughs> <laughs> so it was awesome. Guys, that was a big deal for me because when I first met Gabe, I had this thing that said, oh, I can walk in a relationship with people for three or four years and then something about me just becomes too overwhelming for them. So when Gabe, right out in the parking lot over here, Gabe looked at me. We were going back and forth on something. Gabe looked at me and said, well, I'm glad we got to get this figured out today. And I was like, what do you mean? This like, might cost us our relationship. And Gabe just like was able to commit, like, no, we're going to follow Jesus together. And it was like such a, it was such a life-changing moment for me. But we can't, we don't follow Jesus today because we think the same. And the enemy would want to make that like something that's not good. I would submit to you, that's part of the beauty of the body. That I am following Jesus with people that are wired differently than me, that have different experiences than me, have different gifts than me. And so in running together with, like, 
If you only run with people who are just like you, it won't be healthy. Does that make sense? So in exercising these gifts, you're not just exercising gifts for people who are really close to you and who share all the same experiences. Like, because this is why it's important. I know there's something about just naturally clicking with people that you're, you're kind of like, but if you only have relationships with people like that, then you kind of like share all of your own really strong strengths, but you also share all of your own kind of cultural weaknesses and you don't know it because you're just so busy being with the people that are just like you, that you can miss it and we need to be connected with people who think differently, right? So let's just submit ourselves to listen. Gabe's gonna read uh, the first section of uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 12. There's these three chapters all go together. We're not gonna read all of them, but listen to what is said here. And we're just gonna try to position ourselves, not even today to talk about the specific gifts, but position our, ourselves to really ask God to value, help us value these things and, and hear about these gifts um, for the value. Because how many of you know if God is giving us something, like, we, we want to we wanna have everything that he's giving us, yeah. right? That's my prayer. I remember whenever I was nervous as a Baptist pastor about the gift of tongues. I was like, God, I'm a Baptist. I don't do that. But I want everything that's you. I don't want anything that's not you. I don't want anything that's not you, but I want everything that is you. And I think that there's a good place of hunger in our hearts, and we can get to a place of saying, God, we want to be good stewards of everything that you're releasing. <clears throat> Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray by new idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working. But the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith, by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing, by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. Anything stand out to you in, in, in that <clears throat> passage that you think is significant? He gives them to each one just as he determines. So each one means everybody has something. Don't you, if you, if you have an actual Bible, like you put a piece of paper there and ribbon there and flip over to Romans chapter 12. If not, if you're using your phone, mark it somehow so you can go back and, and look at this because I think... As we just read, I'm going to read a few verses out of Romans 12. Listen to some of the similarities that are there. So well, yeah, it's the same guy writing you know, to different people. That's true, but listen to the themes. Because if we think about spiritual gifts outside of like how God has made us to walk with each other and, and love each other, then we're, we're kind of missing the point. And so spiritual gifts are not like collectibles. You know, which one did you get? 
spiritual gifts are really about uh, helping us to be a healthy, a well-rounded body. Does that make sense? Yes? Holy Spirit, please help us in these last few minutes of our time together. Um, how does Romans 12 start out? Romans 12, 1 and 2. What does that say? Okay, so there's this place where we start out in this passage, this idea of living, giving, giving ourselves as, as an offering to God. That's like a reasonable uh, act of worship. That's like, the, what's, it's what makes sense in return. And if you look at what the therefore is there for, and look up, you'll read where he talks about mercy, and about how God is a God of mercy. And so he is, he's starting this passage saying, hey, because of what we just read about the way that God thinks and, and the way that he operates and his love toward us, here is the invitation. Here is my, here's my pleading to you. Give your whole life. Give your body as an act of worship. Be set apart. Live this way. But look down in verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think. Interesting transition right here. If I'm like, like Romans 12, 1 and 2 is kind of like used as like, give your life to God, you know, and sometimes like give your life to God, go to the nations, give your life to God, fill in the blank, give your life to God and don't think too highly of yourself. How many of you have ever realized that in your, in your, uh, in your maturing as a believer, it's an opportunity to walk in pride. It can be really easy to be like, you grew, like you can't even take credit for your growth, but then you grow like, have you seen Tim? <laughs> he doesn't even read his Bible every day. Gabe was telling me uh, a story this week about a guy that he met in college who was a really just amazing teacher, and Gabe was like driving around, and Gabe asked you know, this guy, um, tell me about your time with the Lord. And the guy's like, well, my time with the Lord is kind of like my time working out. Three or four times a week, I spend a couple hours doing it. And like Gabe's like thinking, yeah, but what about your devotions? Like, what about your daily, you know, like you've got to have something that you do every day. Like, it was almost like this thought of, where's that, where's that check mark or checkbox, you know? And we all have ways we can think like that. So this starts out with, hey, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. But to think soberly as God has dealt, dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Say members of one another. Members. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Again, I can take you to other scriptures where almost every one of those things that are listed, there's actually encouragement and instruction for things for us all to walk in. So this is not a matter of like, hey, like how many of you know that more than someone who's called to be an evangelist should share the gospel of Jesus? Right? Are we all on the same page about that? Paul says, hey, 
eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you prophesy. But are all prophets? No. So there's a place in which when these gifts come, and there's a gift and a grace on your life, part of that function is to exercise it in a way that what's in you becomes normal as a part of the culture around you. That doesn't mean that every person is a teacher. But you know what? Every follower of Jesus is called to teach and admonish each other. Like it's in the it's in the Hebrews, it's in Colossians. I mean, it's like multiple places. We're called to teach and grow with each other. There should be an overflow that's happening out of your life where you're instructing. We see that happening in our family. Eliza, you you have the gift of teaching. I don't know. You don't know? Are you committed to teaching your daughter? Yes. You hear the difference there? Do you have the gift of teaching? I don't know. Are you committed to teach? Yes. Why? Because the relationship demands that. Does that make sense? I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a righteous way. There's a place in the, in, in the development. And guys, there's a place in which our sharing of a journey together, like, man, I want to do, I want my marriage with Adrian to be the best marriage on the planet. At the same time, I want Abby's marriage to be better than ours. Does that make sense? I pray that the things we've learned in the 21 years of our marriage, I pray that when we're sitting with couples and talking to them about marriage, I pray that they have acceleration. I can't, I can't take every hard thing we've learned and make it easy for anybody. I don't have the ability to do that. But if there's something that we've learned that we can take something we've learned and it benefits somebody else and they start with a different starting place, does that make sense? Like we can live that way with each other. We can live that way with each other. There's something that is in your journey that you have, that you've gained, that allows someone else to walk with momentum and do the thing that God has for them. And so in listening, listen to the next verse. We're going to read all of this. But listen to the next Next verse here. Love, or let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate. That means hug. To one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continually, steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. There's a whole lot of other things that are talked about that are not listed as gifts that are functions that flow from those gifts. When I had the intercessors stand earlier, how many of you know we can't be a healthy community and you can't be a healthy individual if we're not all in a place where we're engaging in prayer? And just like, I'm not saying that if you didn't stand up that you don't have a prayer life, right? But guys, it's really like a little bit of Bible math. How many of you know that we're called to be salt and light in the world, right? There are things happening around us that it can feel so freeing just not pay attention to what's happening in the news. And we can almost feel more spiritual because we're not caught up and entangled up in that. At the same time, like, there are things that we should be praying about. I really believe there's, there's an awareness that we should have out of a place of intercession, but I think it's like easy just to tune out to you and not even be aware of what's going on. And so then we're kind of like in a bubble left to kind of like deal with what's happening around us without having really sowed into praying into the root. I hope that as you read Nehemiah this week, 
that there will be something that awakens. And whether you think about it as the United States of America, whether you think about it as the body of Christ globally, or whether you think about it as AOX, I hope that something will wake up inside of all of us to really be willing to like enter into something in a place of like, man, I'm going to pray. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to intercede. Because there's power there. But I don't have the gift of intercession. You know what? Intercession is not listed as a spiritual gift. There's some people who definitely are, are gifted and experienced in that areas, but the principle is, can you come here, Bryce? Bryce makes it easy. Can you hold your hands up over my head? I'm gonna move right there. there. You stay there. Okay. So we'll keep your hands up though. When I see the gifting that's in someone, I can be like, wow, look at that gift. I wish I was like that. I mean, look at him. He's tall. He doesn't need to lose weight. <laughs> Hmm. I'm going to work really hard to get tall and lose weight. And I'll stand over here by myself and not add one inch to, my, to myself. When you recognize a gift in someone else's life, you know the proper response is to come up under. Thank you. You got it, bro. There's something, whenever the Bible says submit to one another, can you, can you do that again? Yeah. Remember, remember, guys, remember those of you who are here, remember Ephesians 4? This is what that scripture means. Submit to each other does not mean that I order you around. There's no place where submission is talked about in the New Testament that does not flow in relationship. Men and I went through and read every verse about submission. Is that true? Every verse about submission flows from connection. But submission is where I understand I am connected. And because I am connected, I'm going to willfully come up under the grace that's in somebody else's life. So, how many of you know, if everybody has dreams this week, Mitch is going to be a busy guy. <laughs> and again, guys, I'm not talking about a collectibles like, why well, I got the, Mitch gave me the dream interpreter badge this week. It's not what we're talking about. But man, if there's a hunger in your heart to grow, like, Katie was with me whenever I, I got the text back from Mitch. It was just like, I, I'd already shared the, the vision with her. When Mitch sent it back, it was like the whole thing became clearer, Right? You see value in that gift? Yes. I, I don't know that I have that gift. I know the Holy Spirit can function that way through me, right? How many of you know? As long as you're rocking with the Holy Spirit, you're never in a deficit. You're not going to meet, you're not going to be like out one day, like on the streets, and see someone, you know, who needs Jesus, and be like, shoot, only my friend Mitch were here. Then you could experience the gospel. You carry the Holy Spirit inside of you. But guys, there's a call to be diligent to stir up the gifts inside of us. There's a call to be, I don't want us to be lazy or complacent about being sharp. Does that make sense? So we recognize the gifts, and then we choose to come up under those gifts. And what does he promise that he does whenever we walk in humility? He says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We see this happen with worship leaders all the time. A spirit of competition. I can't lead worship like that. I'm just not going to try. Every time I've watched someone humble themselves and come up under someone's gift, you see growth. So what does it look like if, we don't, if, we're, if we're committed that as we develop, we're not going to elevate some gifts more than the other? Because Gabe pointed out one thing. He gives a different grace by his pleasure. Like by his, it's, not, it's not our determination. Like, what gift do you want? What's the gift that you think everybody would want? 
Heal it. Shoot, somebody else like, got the gift of healing. I believe I can point back to scripture where all of us should be praying for this. If you recognize someone's at the gift of healing, come up under their grace. You know what? You may know more about healing than the person has the grace on their life. I promise if you disciple people, one of the things that will happen will humble you is you will begin to disciple people who are more gifted than you are. <laughs> and whether you will choose to come up under that grace or try to figure out how to limit their grace, do you hear what I'm saying? Can you, can you come up under the grace of someone that you're discipling? Yes. Can you come up under the grace of someone you're leading? Thank you. Yeah. You do, you do this. Oh, you. oh, I love you. I love you. I love that you're here. All right. So landing the plane. Here's what I'm going to ask us to do. How many of you would say pretty clearly, I know what my spiritual gift is? Raise your hand. Stand up. Okay. Now, we're not going to, we're not going to criticize. Uh, maybe you think, <laughs> we're not going to do that. Like, that's not what's going to happen. But if you think you know what your spiritual gift is, I would, I just want to, we're just going to go down the road, and I just want to ask you to just, just say what you think your top two or three gifts is. Now, I said, hey, hugs is not a spiritual gift. I've been saying it's my spiritual gift for like 12 years. I'm still working through what that means. I've got a list of things I'm finding in Scripture. I'm not trying to be the Bible Nazi. But right now is not the time where we're going to like, eh, sorry, that's not a gift. That's, that's, that's like whatever you have, because it's not just gifts. It's also operations, manifestations. There's actually four different words in the, in the scripture that Gabe read about there's one spirit, but different gifts, different ministries, different operations, different manifestations. So maybe what you're going to list as a gift might actually be a, an operation. Who cares? We are going to just try as much as we can to move into a place of cooperating with God and trying to encourage. And guys, there's a call in Scripture to spur each other on in love and good works. Does that sound good? So I want us just to listen real quick. Starting with quantum, I'm just going to walk across the room. Just listen to these gifts. Go ahead. Uh, gift of leadership. Um, <coughs> servitude, service. Okay. Passion. Mm. My God. Stand, stand up here next to Crystal. Please, go on. Um, I would say discernment, um, worship, and like listening counseling. Cool. Uh, faith is a big one. Um, some encouragement, like an encourager. Uh, worship, obviously. There's, there's probably others. I'm pretty sweet. There's probably not. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Good. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say encouragement. Yeah, she's got to be too. Encouragement and Wisdom, 
hygiene, and healing. All right, that group can be seated. All right, if you weren't standing before, stand up now. Please. My invitation to you, I'm not telling you what to do, I'm asking you, please stand up. How many of you that are standing now would really like to know your spiritual gifts? Okay, yeah, okay, we'd like to know. And so, one of the things I want us to do, we've given, I've given you three big scriptures to go through and read that has um, different descriptors. You, like, probably about 60% of what we just heard were found in the scripture. And some of them, there's not a gift of worship leading written any place in, in, as a gift. There's definitely places in the Old Testament who walked as the lead psalmist. Okay? So those things are like, those are biblical expressions of whether you can find them or not. That's not the point right now. What I'm asking for all of us to do, specifically for those of us who are standing up, is can we make space this week to eagerly desire those gifts? God, I'm not sure what it is. There's roadblocks that will come. Some of you will be like, I don't want to walk in pride. How many of you like can, can know the threat of pride could be a reason not to desire spiritual gifts? And we would be in error. Because if God tells you to eagerly desire spiritual gifts as you pursue love, He's not trying to lead you astray. Right? Yeah. Right? Now, here's what we're going to try to do together. Let's be committed to get into the Word and ask Him, God, what do you, what do you say my spiritual gift is? We can talk later about, well, you know, actually, I think that you have a different gift. That's actually good. That's actually good. I'm not, don't mishear me. I'm not saying that in this place, like the world, we're going to become obsessed with spiritual gifts and begin to know people according to their gifts. But I love my wife, and there are things that she gives me that be, they're special because she's the one that gave it. Does that make sense? Like, my commitment to her defines how special that gift is. So Ari, there's things I already know in your life. I don't know what your spiritual gift is, but I know I see things consistently in Ari's life that bring glory to Jesus. Just looking up today and seeing her worship, like there is a place of conviction that comes into my life when I'm around her. There's a holiness that is on her life. That's not listed as a spiritual gift any place, but she shines in a way for Jesus that it draws me as a man, as a, as a brother, as a follower of Jesus to want to walk with more integrity when I'm around her. That's awesome. Walking with Jesse changed my life because I always thought I had to keep this distance from women in a way that didn't match what I was reading in Scripture. The call I saw in Scripture was to look purely and deeply. What I was taught was like, keep a distance. And, and if you have a question about that, talk to me. I'm not going to go into that whole teaching right now. But like walking with a woman who I, I recognize purity and holiness in did not cause me to stumble. It caused me to walk in purity and holiness. Yeah. Yeah. Right? We typically objectify things we're disconnected from. Yeah. The answer to like drawing me to more toward God is not to be more distant, but to walk in a place of holiness and in a, a high regard. Does that make sense? I want, and, and so that's not just with Jesse, that's not just with Ari. 
Sean carries a gift. And if I can recognize the gift that's inside of him and be humble enough to come up under that gift, even if I'm in a place of like recognizing, man, I got a responsibility that I need to like be committed to help him develop and grow in a gift, but still can I recognize and come up under grace? That I would submit to you that we will see maturity take place. It was like, oh, it's not saying, it's not saying that everything we've ever thought was wrong. It's saying like, wow, we're putting away childish thinking about this area, right? So I'm just saying, for those of you who knew what your gift is, would you pray and ask God to speak to you? And would you look for people that you can encourage them? If you think, hey, I think I know what Elena's gift is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell her, maybe I see this in her. Okay? And if you're standing right now, or you are standing, I just want to ask you, let's exercise before the Lord. God, I pray that, um, yeah, God, I just, I, I just as, a, as a person, as Brad, who knows that I have a responsibility of leadership, God, I repent um, for reacting. Um, were places where I saw abuse, that I was so determined not to walk in that area, God, that I may have like, um, just walked in a reaction. But God, I thank you for your kindness of giving us your word. And God, like I believe that in this room, there are people who are committed to the best we know how to follow after you according to your word. And I would just say, God, would you release on individuals in this room? Would you release on family units in this room? Would you release on us collectively as a family of believers a sincere, pure desire to grow in the gifts that you've given to establish and to make normal the things of your kingdom? May we stir up the gifts. God, I pray for every person who knows what their gift is. God, they would find some practical way to stir that gift up this week. To nurture the soil around it that we would not neglect it for any reason, but we would exercise. And God, I don't believe that I'm alone in this, but I really desire, God, for your body to be in shape. Not so people look at us and are impressed with us, but so that we don't look disproportionate when we're connected to the head. God, we want to give you glory. We want to, we want to, we want to be able to Live out the fruit of the Spirit, not because we're trying so hard, but because we are just really connected to you. Would you put a hunger in our hearts? God, I pray that we, that what we, what we talked about during worship isn't disconnected from this. If you're discouraged or tired or weary, I pray that your weariness would not become a reason to neglect the gifts. But he has a grace for you today. He has a grace for me today. Guys, this week when Mirabelle had the episode and she stopped breathing, you know, I just was so aware the first few minutes, I was just like praying for them and turned around to drive back to be with them. Um, but it was only probably 10 minutes into that, I started almost feeling like this sense of, oh God, what am I gonna do? Now I feel like I've, you know, I just was feeling like things were starting to get normal again. And I started to like internalize this, this circumstance. And I realized God has equipped me to think like, I don't, I'm receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken. I don't have to come up under the circumstance. Bye. I don't have to come up under the circumstance, right? Like, we can live, we can live in a way that's different. So, God, I just pray encouragement for every, every person, every part, God, for the people who are not here today. God, that there would be an encouragement. Sean's walking out right now. Um, but we're going to pray. I want to pray for Sean. I want you guys to pray for Sean. Sean, very diligently, got a job and worked a job for months. And then the job ended. 
Elephant Castle closed down. And so I asked Sean to come today so we could pray with him. And we can all pray around him at one time, but it would probably be better if you just would like let Sean know. This is his first month of not having work, and unemployment doesn't pay as much as work, and he's got the first of the month coming. For some of you, that's not a big deal. Like, you've walked through enough of those times to know that God's got a way for you, and you're not going to end up on the street cold. This is a real opportunity for Sean to see the faithfulness of God. He's probably not going to see the faithfulness of God disconnected from the body of Christ if we believe that God wants to, by each joint, supply the need of the other. So I really want to encourage you. Um, I, I told him, Sean, I want you to come and be encouraged today. It's easy for Sean to be hanging out in a corner. And Sean, come on, Sean. So I would encourage you. If you don't know Sean that well, get to know him. But I would encourage you just to, like, see this guy who needs encouragement as an opportunity to exercise some gift. If you're aware of other people who just like need, several people have said, I have the gift of encouragement. If you need encouraged, go find them. Raise your hand if you have the gift of encouragement. Some of you are like, I don't know if I want to be given that gift today, right? <laughs> so if you need encouragement, go submit yourself and come up under their grace, okay? Jesus, we love you. We love you and everything, God, that we do God, we're just not into trying to do it all on our own and hope it pleases you. God, we really want our life to flow from your love. Um, I don't have good words for you guys, but I just, I just don't want to look at the wrong end of the branch. I don't want my life to be obsessed with where's the fruit at. I want to, I want to spend my life committed to connecting with the vine and trusting me he's going to bring the fruit that needs to happen. So God, teach us how to remain in you. Teach us how to abide in you. We do want to live really fruitful lives and fruit that we remain. But God, I just repent um, for every place where I've tried to prune my own branch instead of being focused on connecting with you. God, I, I yeah, as I was praying earlier, God, I repent for just living in reaction, God. And I think collectively, this would there just be a grace for us to walk collectively in repentance for um, just not being mature and understanding how to exercise gifts together? Um, may this be a time that you mark us, God. And that not only the people in this room, but the people in Grove City and God ultimately people in nations, wherever you would take us and send us, would be benefited by us growing up and maturing and our walking the gifts that you've given.